0: This morning, we're looking, again, we're going through a series at the moment, and we're on week four looking at our fourth value as a church. So we're getting to know who we are and who we're becoming and this, we just felt, is so important for those that are getting to know us, those that maybe knew over the last couple of years. But also, COVID, it transformed and changed some things, didn't it? It, it really made you realise, who do we want to be? And it gave us that chance to go, wow, there are some things maybe that we were chasing after. Maybe God actually wanted to redirect us and just bring us back to a simpler kind of church. And so this morning, we're, we're on week number four, and we're looking at this word humility. It's a word that we've picked out as one of our, as one of our values our fourth value. So we've had so far, this is a test, isn't it? Shouldn't have started that. We've had love, prayer, courage, this morning humility, and we will have in the weeks to come community and our last one. Generosity. generosity yeah, the test was there, and well done, you passed. They're up behind you, generosity. So this week, humility. Just as by way of an introduction, uh, I remember... Um, A number of years ago, going on a mission trip to Romania, I was very fortunate to be invited by my friend Steve Allison at the time, if you remember Steve, he was on team here, and he he knew some churches out there, so we went and uh, got to stay with a guy called John Yankish, who was an amazing guy, he also has gone to be with the Lord since, but he was pastoring so many churches, I mean it was just... An incredible time to go and be with them. And he had this home in Romania. It seemed to be a bit of the thing where it was pretty much finished, but not quite. If you can kind of picture an Eastern European, maybe some rebar sticking out of the roof, and maybe it's sort of concrete walls and floors, but it's inhabited with stuff. You know, it's kind of that um, funny mix. And so I'd gone there. And the reason I share that is because it was kind of stark, because there's concrete on the walls, and it's kind of unfinished on the way up, an unfinished path. And then there's a grand piano in the house. And it was kind of weird to see these two things next to each other. Um, as I went in, they obviously caught my eye looking at it. And I was probably thinking, that's an interesting, you know, you've really invested in the piano, but not so much in the house, maybe. Um, but like, wow. And they said, do you play? And I said, no, no, not really. Now, <laughs> that is an overstatement. The answer is, no, I don't play. <laughs> but I said, no, not really. Um Now this is because many years ago when I was a teenager, I'd seen one of my friends who was a very good musician, very natural, and I'd seen how at a party or just with friends, he could really entertain the room just by picking up, you know, around the campfire, wow, you know, oh yeah, let's all sing, and you know, a piano, he was just one of those guys, and I remember thinking... I don't know if I can be bothered to learn the piano, but I'll learn one song, and if the opportunity arises to play that song, so be it, Lord, you know? And so I learned this one... It was a, a little piece of one classical piece that I thought that, you know, was quite impressive. But um, So I learnt it parrot fashion. About ten years later, I go into this room, and there's a grand piano. You can see where this is going. And they say, do you play? And I say, no, not really. And, and later on, he says, well, do you want to have a go? And I think, well, this is the moment. <laughs> I mean... If there's ever been a moment, this is it, really. I've learnt one piece on the piano and they don't know that, and I'll just have a go. And as I sat down to the piano, I saw my friend Steve, a bit older and wiser, just going. <laughs> kind, kind of like, no, no. He was trying to give me a heads up, but I didn't pick, pick it up and I, I went for it. And it didn't really cause much of a, you know, it didn't get any claps or anything. And, but I thought, you know, nailed it. So there we go, there's my piece. <laughs> Next, no, not much was said. Next morning I wake up at about five in the morning and this sweet music comes to my ear and I'm laying in bed and I'm sort of waking up. It's quite early, but it was so nice. I didn't actually mind and I'm quite grumpy in the morning. Um, and it was coming to my ears. I thought, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. Someone's playing, you know, the radio or something like that. And then it went on and on. And then this cold sweat came over me as I realised it's live. Someone is downstairs practising on the grand piano and it's incredible music. And it went on for about an hour from one piece of classical music straight through to the next, playing, filling the room. And I was there just like, oh, no. I've, I've tried to play the piano in front of Pavarotti. Pavarotti's here or something like that. And I go down and I find out that it was Linda, the 15-year-old in the house. And she trains every morning for an hour at five in the morning and every evening she comes home from school and trains. But she's not even the best pianist because her brother turns out to play in some kind of national orchestra as the main pianist, Flavius. So I've gone for like chopsticks in front of two. I tell you, humility was given to me at that moment. I was humbled in my bed as I heard the music. If I could have rewound time, it was one of those I absolutely would have. I would have never said, yes, I I would have said, no, I cannot play. You play instead. And maybe when you think of humility, this value that we're going to look at today, maybe a similarly embarrassing story where you kind of stepped out and then you experienced an uncomfortable being humbled kind of moment. Did you know that Jesus Christ chose humility? Think of that for a moment. No one found out that he wasn't quite up to mustard and sort of brought him down a peg or two. Instead, he chose to put on humility. The God of the universe, the creator of it all, remained covert during his time on the earth. It even says in scripture there was nothing about his appearance that would have attracted you to him. If I was coming to the earth, I would have chosen the most incredible form and face and great. And yet he, he just he came in humility, kind of covert. People didn't spot him so often and, and missed him. This is our God, this God who chose to put on humility. He wasn't humbled by us. He didn't come here and then we found out not quite as good as you thought you were, so he was humble. No, he chose this characteristic of humility as something of great value, and it's something prized and given joy to God, not because we could have put him in his place. So today, as we look at our fourth value, humility, I'm, I'm praying we'll see it from a godly perspective, not one of, you know, at some point you're going to be humbled, not like me, but something that actually God delights us to be like, that we would copy him in our lives. And we'll look at the very practicals of what that might look like for us. We're going to read Philippians 2. Three to eight is our scripture this morning, So if you've got your Bibles, I think it will come up as well. This, just as a bit of introduction, Philippians 2 three to eight, is an interesting scripture. It has much to tell us on the doctrine of Christ, who He was. It's really, really important scripture. Was he God? Was he a man who became God? Was he actually God, as we would say? Was he God came to the earth and put on humility and came as the likeness of man? You know, what was he? This is an important scripture for us to know because it teaches us what scripture, who he was. Was he God before he came or after? It will be answered in this scripture. But also, not only that, but it's a really interesting perspective. Each one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell us of the account of the cross. They all tell us what happened at the cross. And, and here in Philippians, we see the cross again, but from a different perspective. We see it through the eyes of the Messiah. It's a really interesting perspective. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. The other accounts are kind of looking on at what happened, whereas here we get to see through the eyes. We're invited to see what happened. We're invited to enter the mind of Christ, if you like, to see how he did this. So Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And then it goes on, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. Father, I pray this morning, would we catch a glimpse of you Lord, first and foremost, I pray would Christ be lifted up amongst us. Jesus Christ, God who came as flesh, humbled himself, walked amongst us, lived the life that we couldn't live of perfection and beauty, died the death we couldn't die because we are imperfect. And yet you, like a lamb to the slaughter, gave your life for us and then was raised to life again by God the Father. Lord, we pray, Lord, would we catch a glimpse of, of your goodness and your humility this morning and be inspired to do the same. Amen. So Paul here in Philippians is laying out, if you like, this this utopian view of a world that he sees where we would serve one another and we wouldn't look out for our own interests where we would care more for the person next to us on our left and right than for our own. And because we do that, they would care for ours and so our needs would be met. And this is Paul's kind of utopian view where selfish ambition and conceit are a thing of the past. Do you remember when we used to think like that? No way. And now we don't have anything lacking. And you see something of it in the early church. It's glorious, but surely totally unachievable. Sure, we would all love that. But what if the person next to you doesn't actually have your interest first? Then the whole thing falls apart, right? This, this thing of humility that he has a vision of, I want to persuade us it's actually God's gift to us. It doesn't have to come from within, but it's God's gift to us that we can walk in. It pleases him. I want us to see today that this godly characteristic of, of humility can be fostered and grown and delighted in, and we can see it well up in our midst. Because it pleases God. But importantly, and this is really important if you're a believer, if you know God is your Lord and Savior, it is your DNA. You became a new creation, made in the form of Christ, following in his likeness. So he being humble, you now have that same DNA. You also, it is more natural than you would think. You may think, yes, but of all those times that you don't know about, yeah, I know my own story, so I probably do know those times In your life, but it's still still something that we can foster and grow in. I suppose if you were going to sum up this preach, just just to remember this, you know that phrase, my how the tables have turned. You know that phrase where someone has kind of had the upper hand over you, but somehow, some you know, situation changes, and it's like, ah, now I have the authority, I have the power, my how the tables have turned. Ah, look, now who's in the place of authority? I want to say that humility, humility turns the tables in someone else's favor. Humility turns the tables, but in someone else's favor. It starts by talking of this, Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant in yourselves. I want us to see how humility turns the tables. Ah, look who's... In someone else's favor. In other words, selfish ambition and conceit are polar opposite to this value of humility that Christ put on and modeled to us. Selfish ambition, this is the thing that sets out goals to improve oneself, to better my own position in in life, to increase the blessings in my life that we're not to put on. Selfish ambition and conceit is a word that describes being excessively proud. It's the kind of thinking that says, I would be surprised if anyone turned me down. It's that kind of thinking, You know, whether it's going on a date, I'm going to ask, I'd be surprised if they turned me, or, or perhaps this business deal, I've got so much to offer, I'd be surprised if they turned this down. And we can have it, it's less obvious than that, obviously we learn to nuance it. I'd be surprised if this, you know, team, the worship band, would turn me down because of my skills on the piano, for instance. It's, it's that kind of thinking. You would be surprised if anyone would turn, in, turn you down. If, if people didn't want to hear what you had to say, it would surprise you. That's what conceit is. Humility, remember, turns the tables in someone else's favor. Just a really slightly awkward but honest example of how we can turn it in someone else's favor. I noticed a number of years ago that when I cooked the dinner or served the dinner, I quickly scan both portions, and I've told a few guys this recently. I quickly scan both portions to, de- to determine which one's best, and then I award it to myself. <laughs> I, I, just, I just noticed that I did it. I quickly see which steak is bigger or which one has the most amount of chips, and I, I realized I was doing it without thinking, and then I was awarding it to myself and, and giving the other one. I know this is like some of you know what I mean. I know you do. Some of you know what I mean, and you're the ones laughing. Um, LAUGHTER and just as a real action on humility, if humility turns the tables in someone else's favor, you can't tap someone else at this point, Clary. <laughs> it, so that a real action point. If humility turns the tables in someone else's favor, you can see what happens then at that moment. You give the other portion. That's a real small, silly example you can take away in the home, but that's, that's what it looks like. It offers the best portion to another, the best seat to someone who maybe they do deserve it, maybe they don't. The better view when you're going to see something, the financial insight that would put you ahead, you would share with others so that they get to go ahead instead. The focus of the conversation. I think this is maybe a big one for some of us who talk a lot. The focus of the conversation you offer to another. Tell me about your life. Questions rather than, of course you would be interested in my life. So when our natural sinful self would want to keep the advantage, humility gives it away. There's no extra ace up our sleeves as Christians, because the ace up our sleeves is something to be shared with our brothers and sisters. Having this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is how he goes on. Have this mind among yourselves. And you get a picture that this is what he wants us to think like and and be like, to, to foster, to grow, to think in the way of Christ. And then so importantly, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Take it, receive it. It pleases God, but also it is yours in Christ Jesus. Maybe if you'd have been there when I was listening to the music play in the background, the beautiful music, you may have said something like, that's so natural and effortless to them. Oh, it's beautiful, so natural and effortless. But we know it doesn't come without great dedication and personal effort to get that good, right? The first time they sat down at the piano, it wasn't like me where it's like, okay, you know, let me just find the right. No, it wasn't like that. But it gets to the place where it's, oh, wow, it's so effortless for them. So when I say that this is natural, this value, you may think, oh, my goodness, it is not natural. What I'm saying is it's a gift of God. It is in you if you are in Christ because you are in Christ. Now, let's foster it and grow in it. Paul teaches what we are not to do and what we are to do at the beginning. Don't be conceited. Don't be... A selfish ambition, but put on, be, hum- be humble like Christ. He says it's ours, it's very natural, it comes naturally to us, believe it or not. That doesn't mean it's easy, like the pianist, it doesn't come easily. No, but it is natural, if you will foster it and grow in it. He then paints this stunning picture in our verse of Christ Jesus, just to really show us the humility of our God, the forerunner of our faith, the one that went first, Jesus. And I love it. I love as we all look at this, we may have the question, okay, so if humility is about turning the tables in someone else's favor, what if they take advantage of it, Dan? What if they take advantage of my humility? And we do see that in the world around us. And I would say this, didn't we take advantage of Jesus Christ and his humility towards us? It says that on him our sins were laid, the blameless, spotless One the one who had done no wrong. He turned the tables in our favour, friends. He turned it not for his own good, for your good. He turned the tables so that you could see the ace of the goodness of God in your life, not so that he would hold on to it. And then didn't we take advantage of it by going, yes, thank you, God, I leave on you my sin and I call you my Lord and Saviour. Isn't that humility? And then didn't we take advantage of him even once we were saved, friends? Don't we still sin? Man, surely if you've received a gift of eternal life, that would change your life and you would never, ever go back to the old ways. But didn't we? And in doing so, didn't we take advantage of his new mercies every day and of his grace, knowing he will be good, he is kind? Haven't we done that? So yes, humility leaves us vulnerable. But nothing more than Christ our Lord was vulnerable to us. Wesley puts this verse we're looking at into a hymn, and he puts just these words around it. Tis mystery all the immortal dies. Tis mystery all that the immortal dies for you and for me. It says in verse 6, in our verse who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. John Calvin puts it like this, Jesus deprived himself of his proper place. Wow, that's humility. There are some things that you are going through in your life, your roles, your jobs, you've earned them. It's your proper place. And God would call us sometimes to deny ourselves of our proper place. He would call us to lay down the thing that you may have worked hard for. It's yours. And even this morning, the gift day, isn't that a sign of it? Haven't we earned it? Haven't we worked hard for it? Haven't you studied and so you've got the job that means that you can provide for your family, etc., etc.? And God says, give generously. Why? Because then won't I show you the floodgates of heaven and be able to be generous back to you? Verse 7. Instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant by being born in the likeness of men. I would say any humility you feel you have to put on is nothing like God eternal coming as a human being, right? The distance between God eternal, divine, omniscient, omnipresent, glorious, being worshipped for who he is, laying down his majesty to come in the form of a servant and a human, however far we may feel we have to be humble, is nothing compared to where Christ has already gone. Just Stunning, Just amazing that we have a God who would lay that aside. And, and these verses have been sort of studied and looked by theologians for centuries. What does it really mean that he emptied himself? Was he no longer God for a time or was he still God? Like, what does this mean? I would say this. He didn't use the advantage that was his, but he laid it aside for a time. He could have, when he was tempted, called down angels from heaven to tend to him and to destroy the ones tempting. Satan knew it challenged him on it but he didn't use that advantage for himself he laid it aside he emptied himself do you see it was an active choice of humility and then in verse 8 and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death or even death on a cross some might say if God would reveal himself If he'd just show me, if he'd have just come to the earth and he would show us, if we could see him and touch him and feel him, then wouldn't that be easier to believe in him? This verse says that he did just that. Sure, we don't live at the same time as it. What time in history would he have chosen? You know, we would always say, well, the time we're living right now is the most important, of course. But don't you see that's coming at the wrong angle? It says, and being found in human form. You could find him touch him, feel him. God eternal put on humility and was able to be found by humankind. Stunning. says he humbled himself. I I just say this implies that he put on, he, he imposed on himself humility. No one humbled him, found out he was a bit less than he said he was. No, he imposed upon himself humility, chose it, laid his life down, for us also implies that we also can choose it doesn't it we can impose on ourselves humility i'd say let's do that in the small things in the plate choices in the big things impose on yourself humility it's not easy but in doing so you will be fostering a christ likeness of character once I was running on the Worth Way and uh, was keeping a track of my time. I like to be on Strava and, you know, just keep an eye on how am I doing. And I ran past a lady. I saw her from a distance carrying lots of bags on the Worth Way, And they looked heavy. She was stopping every few steps to rest and then pick them back up. And, and I thought on the way up, oh, God, are you calling me to stop and help? I thought, oh, no. Okay, look, the time. And she's probably, I don't want to make her feel awkward. I don't want to surprise her. It was getting dust. You know, all the things that we think. So I actually ran past and felt, oh, no, I think you do want me to stop. So I stopped and went to speak, but I had to impose on myself. I'm not a superhuman where you're running along and I just want to help every single person. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I have to impose on myself. God, are you calling me to do this? I will impose on myself. There's some serving teams at the moment who are light on numbers and... And anyone joining, it's not like you you often have this blinding revelation and you go, oh, wow, I'm going to skip in and serve there. No, it's like, actually, no, this comes at a cost. One in three, I'm going to impose on myself to serve others. But this is the very nature of Christ. And if you do, and as you do, you're copying him and walking in his ways. Let's just for the final minutes make this really practical remembering that humility turns the tables in someone else's favour. I think really it comes down to whether you view church as to whether you serve here and feel comfortable to as home or as a guest. So if, if it's your house, then haven't you noticed if someone comes in, you don't expect them to sort themselves out, but you serve them. You, it kind of makes sense. Would you like a drink? Would you like me to get you anything? Is there anything I can help with? Is the temperature right? You know, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a guest... Some of those things seem a bit weird to do. Go in and alter someone's temperature and go to the fridge. And do you want to drink while I get myself? Well, you know, all of that's like, it's a bit weird, isn't it? So if you feel like a guest in the house of God, it's, it makes sense that you feel like, like who, who am I to try and help out here? Like, what can I bring? But God says we are all sons and daughters. And I know you may feel like a guest for a time, but what we want to do is we want to see the church as a place of family. There's no hierarchy. This morning as you gave your gift, you don't know if you sat next to a billionaire or someone with nothing. It doesn't matter in the house of God because we're all sons and daughters. You aren't grandchildren and others are children and then there's the great-grandchildren who are at the back. You're all children of the living God. See, this is your house. If someone comes in and it doesn't look like they know where to go or how this all works, it's for us to serve them. Have humility, put on humility. Don't assume that others would serve you that's the wrong way to look at it. Oh, no one came and said hello to me today. No, go and say hello to others. Serve one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That word came up again. That's Romans 12. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Wow. Wow. Doesn't our world want to associate with people of a slightly higher calibre? And, you know, that's always going on. Just the kingdom turns it all on its head. Be willing to associate with people of low position. You're at home. This is the house of God. Please, make yourself at home. Get to know one another. Welcome people and serve one another. That's why scripture says that each one has this is part of being humble. It's not because each one, ah, this is my moment to shine. No, as I bring my gift from God, I serve you. The whole point is for the building up of the church. So when you bring a hymn or you bring a prayer or you go and prophesy over someone or you, or you pray for healing for someone and maybe in a bit we'll do some moving about. As you do that, you serve one another and this delights God would you guys start coming up that would be fab I want to give us time to worship and apply these things so this week this week would we offer the advantage to someone else the road position the conversation that maybe you see as an opportunity to get the laughs but laugh at someone else or with someone else is better actually The hello that maybe gets ignored by your neighbours every single time. Serve one another. Offer the advantage to someone else. It's scary saying hello to someone you don't know, so be the first to do it. Offer the advantage to someone else. We encourage to be imposed, to impose upon ourselves this gift, this characteristic of humility. More of the character of Christ. It will feel unnatural, but it is natural. Because you're his, you're found in Christ Jesus. Remember, humility turns the tables in someone else's favor. And think lastly of Jesus Christ, who saw you exactly as you are and decided you were worth turning the tables on. He saw us for who we were in all of the mess and in everything we've ever done wrong, and he decided, there's someone I want to turn the the tables on for their advantage. Jesus did not put on humanity as this incredible outward form to amaze everyone. He put it on uh, by leaving aside his majesty and laying it aside for a time so that he could be found in human form, as natural in flesh, but this, so that you could be found in righteousness. He put on human form, you got the gift of righteousness. Proverbs 3:34. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor on the humble. Friends, let's develop and enjoy this gift of humility amongst us. Amen. Should we stand? We'll worship, enjoy him. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist, and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the center and one of the team's gonna get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You wanna sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.